Welcome to Basically Famous. Thanks for joining us. We're your hosts, Shelby and Tyler. Welcome to this week's episode. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of Basically Famous. We are so glad you found your way to the podcast. This week, we have the honor of interviewing our dad, John Paul. So to kick things off, tell our listeners, <laughs> tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, I'm just 51 years old. Married a girl in South Texas, moved from, grew up in my head, met Donna um, while we were going to AM. She was a bus driver, picked us up after class and took us back to our trucks and stuff. And we started dating and visiting. We got um, out of AM in 93, got married in 93, um, was started off teaching ag and stuff here at Brackett High School. And <clears throat> um, Donna came home to work for the family ranch. And we've been down here ever since. Um, had a few career changes in there. So, um, one thing I can tell you is if things are rocking and rolling and not going well, make a career change. Um, right now I have a, a master's degree in education and I'm a realtor working on selling real estate. Uh, finally got a deal, finally closed the other day. So that was a slow process, but finally happened. But um, in the meantime in there, I uh, elected to run for county judge this, this coming up year for a 20 24, I believe, correct? No. 2023. 2023, yep. So that's taken a lot of my time. But um, like I say, we lived down here since 1993. Um, raised all of y'all down here in Brackettville in a small town. Rural America, rural community. Um, happens to be on the border. That's a tough deal right now, but we're getting by. We're managing. So. That's about it. Both of my parents are school teachers, so uh, education is really strong rooted within me. Helping people is, you know, it's something that I feel that's my calling and stuff. Um, I, that's about all. I mean, I just, just enjoy it down here. I wish it would rain a little more. We could use a good rain right now. Your mom being a lot better mood, but that's the way it is. So, but other than that, just. Uh, very blessed and fortunate for everything that we've gotten and, and been able to do. Um, I missed a lot of stuff when my kids were growing up because of the railroad being gone a lot during that prime time. But y'all didn't miss out on anything. I don't think got to do a lot of the stuff you wanted to do. And um, very fortunate and, and blessed to be able to provide for y'all and do that. And then <clears throat> um, y'all are all very successful, healthy, educated folks. and see what the world's going to bring for you. You go out and hustle and do things and see what happens. If it means you can come home, man, you're more than welcome. Um, you're not going to live here. You don't have to have your own place, but you can, you're welcome to come back any, you know, you know, stuff, but so empty nesters, it's, it's not all bad. Your mom probably has told you that on the side, but she wouldn't admit it. I think every day, but it's, we have a good time. It's fun. I mean, yeah, y'all still text and talk and whatnot and all that. We can come see you when we need to and so forth. So we're very fortunate that way. Awesome. Well, starting off, you just won the primary election on the Republican ticket to be the county judge in Kinney County. So why did you decide to run for judge? My um, current judge is Judge Shahan. I had um, two of his three kids in school when I was teaching and stuff and everything. 
um, great family. Um, their family was the one that started Alamo Village, so lifelong residents of Kenny County and stuff. Um, he decided he wasn't running again. And um, now that y'all are all gone, grown and gone in a way and stuff, um, I, I feel like calling the, the like again, like I said, to, to help people to, to be there, to um, educate folks or do what, you know, we'll do what we can to make things better for those around us. Um, have a servant heart and don't always be expected to be thankful, thank for it and stuff like that. And <clears throat> I just thought, well, now's a great time for me to step into that role. Y'all are gone. Y'all can't get um, pulled in and mingled into the small town politics. That, that that's it happens. You know, it's, there's no 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 doubting it, no denying it. So y'all are gone now. So um, and with the current border crisis and stuff, you know, somebody that, that was passionate and cared about where they live in the county we live in. Um, we're just a one-town county. We have a community of Spofford, but there's not a whole lot here. We have 16 miles of the river, the Rio Grande River. So somebody that, that was cares about and wants to see, we want this to still be your home. We want, when you're, when y'all are out and about visiting folks or living in College Station or Fort Worth or Stephenville or wherever, we want you to be able to say you're from Brackettville and be proud of that and, and know that it's still here and it's still a strong community and we're still a close-knit rural community and we care. And we don't really appreciate the current situation we're in with the current administration. Now, as a federal judge, I mean, a county judge, that's a federal issue. So really all I can do is, is talk, promote, meet with folks, um, keep knocking on doors and stuff and trying to get as much help as we can through the state and through the federal government. So um, I felt that, hey, it's, it's time for somebody to step up and, and it continues to care and won't just take it lightly for what's happening to our little area, our little community, our county. I think that's really admirable too. And I know that people in town can see that you're very passionate about the community. Even though you didn't grow up in Brackettville, you would consider it home since you've lived there for 27 years now. Well, yeah, I've lived here um, over half my life. I've lived here longer than I've uh, than I lived anywhere else in my life. So I moved here in 93, so we're getting on close to 30 years here, mathematician. Yeah, well, you know, that's <laughs> 5 p.m. <laughs> okay, so what is something you hope you can do in public office um, if elected that will inspire people? Oh man, the big thing there is just um we need some kind of employment. We need some kind of um, industry in our county. Um, the two biggest, three biggest industries that we have, of course, would be the Border Patrol, federal employees. Rio Grande Electric Co-op is a, they were the home for um, Rio Grande Electric, a big cooperative electric cooperative that serves South and West Texas. Um, they're a big em employee here in town, and also our school district. But what we're lacking was is those folks that may not want to go to school right off the bat or those folks that um, that's, that's not their cup of tea, but they don't mind working every day is the struggle for us is going to be the millenniums or the ones that, that don't have a strong work ethic because they weren't raised that way. And we have and the jobs that we would bring here would be manual labor jobs. There'd be some kind of physical labor in them. There's not going to, we're not in a part of the world where it's going to be a high IT job, sit behind a desk, push those buttons, and things like that, uh, um, technology-driven kind of careers here. And we have some, but not a lot. 
what we're going to end up doing is or looking into and having to work on is those folks that are 18 to 65 or whatever um that middle group there that 18 to 40 year old group that hey we um, partner with or we getting partnership relationships with some of those makita doors once mexico gets settled back down and gets straightened back out and whatnot and some of those products can't be shipped completely assembled out of mexico they have to come over into the united states as parts and pieces be assembled labeled packaged and then distributed across the united states or the world or whatever maybe we could get involved or something like that we maybe only employ 20 or 30 people and maybe 10 of those folks being full-time employees and the other 20 or 30 20 30 of them are part-time employees we have a, a young workforce here that um, has idle hands and idle hands turn into trouble sometimes because of the issues we have and things like that. So if I could work towards finding and creating, and that's kind of my role as a county judge. You are the PR person for the county. You're the CFO of the county. Judge is a title you have. Court's not your main thing. Um, you do very little court. Um, so a lot of that's just you're out, you're a full-time employee of the county. So I'm working full-time for the folks that live here and hopefully try to bring something in. We also have to tap into, we have the retirement deal, Fort Clark Springs. It's basically a private gated community here. A lot of those folks are winter Texans and they move back here after they retire because they enjoy it and stuff and whatnot. So there's some folks there that may be 55 to 65 years old that would like to work 20, 30 hours a week. They don't need benefits. They was just like somewhere to go to work, you know, Tuesday through Fridays or Monday through Thursdays and have three day weekends like a college kid or something. But, you know, what? that's, that's something I, I would really hope that I can, I can get, um a couple of things like that in in, in um get something growing and going here where where the residents here have a a a modest income and then also those that have benefits um <clears throat> that's such a huge thing nowadays that younger people don't realize your generation your 22 25 year old folks you know you think well i you know I make forty five thousand dollars a year but I have benefits. What kind of benefits you got? Well, you got this. I mean, that's huge. You're really making like, you know, $75,000 a year when you include all your benefits, retirement and insurance and things like that. So just something um, on a small, low key, small scale, but have to look into that. Um, and that's a, well, you know, that's a working relationship. I think Valverde County, Uvalde County, uh, Maverick County, those other counties right here around us, uh, maybe we can get together and, and create that kind of environment for ourselves, toward, for our community. So kind of moving on from Judge, you talked a little bit about like career changes and if you're not happy, move <laughs> on. So okay. what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Um. <clears throat> Or advice you would your give someone. I was raised in an era where your handshake was one of the strongest things you have in life. Everything else can be taken away from you. Uh, the shirt can be ripped off your back. Your car can be stolen. Your house can be destroyed in a tornado, heaven forbid, or fire. But your handshake, you're the one that dictates what it really is. Is it a fair and honest handshake? Is it 
um, a good locking bond. You're going to take care of it kind of deal. And then um, the second thing is, <clears throat> there's those two things, and you've heard me say this, um, only you can screw up your education, what's between your ears. You're in control of that, and you control your handshake. And if you can take care of those two things right there, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Um, ain't nobody, nobody going to write you a cashier's check and stick it in your coffin when your ass is gone, so you might as well enjoy it. Okay? I mean, you can, I'm not saying live stupid and be on your means and, and be a hardship burden on your family, but there's no reason why you can't enjoy things that you can enjoy and be reason within reason. But, um, was in the banking world, banking business for a long, you know, for a few years there. Um, drives your mom crazy, but I love it. it it's, it's, it's good humor that, you know, I just changed careers about every 10 years, but, um, drives her crazy, but, um that's all right though that's why god sent me here too but um in all those years of banking i never wrote a cashier's check and gave it to somebody to stick in their coffin you know it's just like that u-haul behind the limousine you don't see it the hearse you know kind of deal so your handshake and what in your brain power what's between your ears and mr stevenson used to tell us the old superintendent here at school when i was first got out here he said, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. And that's hard for you, Ty. I know. That's a tough deal for Tyler, y'all. I hope this doesn't get edited, but it is a tough deal for Ty. All right, what's next? Okay. Dog, dogs in here visiting. Hey, dogs, what's up? I can hear a wagon yourself. So who was your biggest influence as a kid? I'm not that. You know, both my parents being educators and stuff, but probably my dad. I was the youngest of three. I have an older brother that he kind of cleaned the slate for, so it wasn't a whole lot we could do that was going to be much more than he'd already done. And then an older sister that was in between him and I and stuff. And um, But I was I was the baby, um, but probably my dad. I mean, I it was real neat. I got to grow up real close to a lot of cousins. I got like 23 first cousins on my dad's side and so, uh, just a couple handful of them, a couple on my mom's side. So, but my grandparents were close by. We, we grew up on a farm in central Texas. Oh, I lived within like 10, 12 miles of both sets of my grandparents and stuff, you know, so that, that was pretty neat and a bunch of cousins and everything. But probably my dad as a family person would influence me, to, you know, would have the kind of, but I'm going to say my ag teachers. I had two ag teachers in high school that were. They're awesome. A lot of fun. <clears throat> Stuff, Mr. Dolly and Mr. Goodrell. We built stuff in the shop. We went to livestock judging contest. Man, we, you know, back, that was a lot of fun. You know, and so those two guys, you know, that aren't somebody that you're around your whole entire life, but just somebody that's for a short, brief time, those four years, you know, those guys were there. So I would, I would agree. You, I mean, obviously know that both my ag teachers are big influences on my life. Yeah. So. Well, your ag teacher and your county agent, you know, just, it's just the things that they, you go and do with them that your parents weren't eligible, weren't eligible. 
you know, able to go and do. They go and watch or something, but it wasn't something that they were going to involve and be part of as you grow up. It's just that out that outside experience, that outside exposure and stuff that was. I mean, it was it was neat. It was fun. Well, and it was someone who could tell you the same thing your parents would, but you would listen because it wasn't yeah. Your parents. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. Okay, so what is a fun childhood memory you have? You had a dirt bike there for a while. Oh, man. We had go-karts, dirt bikes. We had a lot of – I wanted a um, three-wheeler. Back then, three-wheelers were big. Y'all y'all have never seen one. Your generation has no clue what I'm talking about. Probably the most dangerous vehicle or ATV that was ever invented because – Three-wheelers then became four-wheelers and then became like our big Polaris Ranger stuff. So it kind of graduated like that. But I wanted one bad, oh, bad. Well, <clears throat> growing up, we are Catholic, so we'd have Christmas at a grandma's and stuff and everything with the cousins. And then we'd go to midnight mass, and we'd come home from midnight mass, and we'd have Christmas. You know, I got a plastic three-wheeler. Oh, I was devastated. I was heartbroken. And then out on the front porch in the yard was a go-kart. So I got me a go-kart and I flipped it the first night going around the house too fast and laid it over. I didn't tell anybody that part. So I just got up and wiped myself off and kept going. But then we had a dirt. I worked all one summer. <clears throat> what big on <clears throat> mom and dad and even with Michael Dell and Anna, both of them, they they didn't pay us with money. You know, their theory was you had a roof over your head, you got meals, you got if you need a new baseball glove or you need a new boot. Um, Portland baton or something you got it you know you just got it worked all summer got up one Saturday morning that said you gotta go to Waco you wanna go with me uh, not really I mean you know, Waco was only 40 miles away we drive 40 miles now just to get tea at Dairy Queen for your mother you know I mean and so I said, he's like you need to go with me and my, my dad drove little Ford Courier pickups oh my gosh I couldn't even get in one today I'd have to just ride in the back. Your mom would have to drive. And I'd just have to ride in the back. It'd be bad. But a little bit pickup. <clears throat> Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But like a little Nissan pickup. But Ford Courier, they were made by Ford. And um, we went to Waco, Texas and bought me a dirt, bought me a motorcycle. That was my summer pay. I think it's like $850 is what it cost or something. And, and, and um, so got me a dirt bike, man. We strapped it down. We came home. I jumped on that thing, man. Vince Keys had one. Um, Mickey and, and Mickey and Warren had dirt bikes and stuff or whatever, so we just terrorized them. We went from golf go karts to to dirt bikes and stuff, terrorizing the neighborhood and stuff. As a kid, I remember that. In good times, oh my gosh, we had good times. <clears throat> and baseball practice, I could play baseball, so baseball practice, I drove it to town to baseball practice the back way. And my dad said, "If you get pulled over, don't call home. If you get pulled over, don't call home." I got pulled over. Cop, cop. And I had to go. The back way was fine, but I had to go quite a few blocks into town to the park to play practice. <clears throat> I had my baseball glove stuck through my legs, had my helmet on, and I was cruising along and everything. And sure enough, I got pulled over on the way home. I mean, I was almost to where I was out of, you know, going to be back kind of on the back roads and out of the main spotlight. Got pulled over. What are you doing, Shusha? And they all knew me. When your mom and dad both teach in a small town school, I mean, you know, I can't remember the officer's name. He probably had my dad in high school or something, you know, kind of deal. I said, well, I had baseball practice today and nobody could bring me. So my mom said I could ride my motorcycle to town to baseball practice. Mm, okay. 
Then what she just said, well, she told me not to call home if I got pulled over. Hmm. Who are you going to call? I said, I don't know. I'm thinking right now. And so he just laughed and chuckled and giggled and sent me home. Told me, he said, don't let me catch you again on your bike without a license. Yes, sir. <clears throat> and I wasn't even old enough to have a car license, much less a motorcycle license. I mean, I'm like 13 or 14 years old, and I drove my dirt bikes down to baseball practice. So, but yeah, that's a pretty wild child memory. And then just <clears throat> fishing, man, we had such good fishing around there up there where we grew up. We'd sneak on the places and fish. And so we'd call every now and then some folks and get permission, but we'd, we'd sneak on places and fish, just catch and throw back, catch and throw back and stuff like that. We grew up, <clears throat> we camped a lot, mom and dad, big mom and big dad, we'd go camping a lot on the weekends here and there and stuff and everything. But no, that was pretty wild times back then and now your parents you know. kept like so every time y'all went camping they wrote like who went where you went what you saw when we were oh, yeah, cleaning, we, we found a journal yeah we had a journal we had a journal and then <clears throat> in the camper each one of us had a sketchbook and big mama would make us sit outside when we have our pop-up camper no air conditioning, windows open, everything and stuff, you know. It ain't camping like at the Holiday Inn or the Hampton Inn or anything like that, like your mom does. But And we'd sit out there, and she'd make a sketch, some little sketching of where we were at, at that campground or Deer Lease or wherever. So had she had these journals, and Michael Dell had one, Anna had one, I had one, and we all had to sit there and draw or sketch something and date it and everything at that time. I don't know where those are. Those would be pretty cool to have. I haven't run across those and stuff, but yeah, <clears throat> that was a big thing for Big Mama was for us to sketch and draw. You know, you sit there on, by the campfire at the picnic table or whatever, and if you're looking at a big tree or you're looking at the lake or you're looking at the camper or the pickup or whatever, you know, a barn, if it's a hunting lease and you're looking at somebody's barn instead of pins, that's what you drew and you dated it. That'd be cool to find those. I don't know where those are. Dang, well... Before I ask you my last question that I ask everybody on the podcast, tell our listeners about how you hit the home run for the oh, hey. Mejia. First National Bank of Mejia. First National Bank of Mejia. We had, we looked like little prisoners. We had little white baseball suits with pinstripes on them. We looked like little gangster prisoners out there. I, for whatever, I made the all-star, no. We were in the city championship game. We had, it wasn't an all-star game, whatever. And I, man, I had I had swung my bat, swung my bat, and I hadn't hit Jack Diddley all season. And in the championship game, played first base, pitched a little bit, did a little bit of catching, but mostly played first base because I was a big old kid. What no, not too many kids going to run me over at first base. Um, so, man, I'm up there, and the bases are loaded, and it's like I got a full count. And I killed that baby over the left field fence. Home run, baby. Grand slam. We won the city championship that year for the first National Bank of Mahia. And every time we drive by, you remind us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they tore down the field now. They're building some new fields and everything. So they're improving everything. Well, that's yeah. good. It's for the children. Yeah, it's for the kiddos. That's right. Okay, so our last question is the same question we ask everybody on the podcast. If you had a billboard, what would be on it and why? I guess let's go back to your handshake is who you are. And that dash between when you were born and when you die. There's a lot of stuff going to be filled in there. 
you better make sure it's good stuff because it's easy to talk at a funeral when it's a good person, not a bad person. And it's, it's hard to be a good person nowadays. It's hard to bite your lip. It's hard to pat somebody on the back. It's hard to smile when those people are cruel and mean, but in the bitter end, you're going to be the winner. Be a champion, take care of your handshake. And remember your dash ain't real big for when you're born to when you die. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Y'all, hey, don't be spending all your money at the crazy chicken. I think that place is still there. It wasn't there when I, I don't remember going there when I was a kid. When it's I was at the eight. Dixie Chicken, the crazy Dixie chickens chicken. in Bracketville. Oh, the crazy oh. chicken closes the Dixie Chicken is still around. That's right. I knew there's a chicken involved in this somewhere. Bye. Bye. Love you.